Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, it's on the East Coast. This is Stuart Crawford on the Paul Lewis Ice Radio. We're coming to you live on Blog Talk Radio from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And we're uh, settling in for our summer routine here out west and... Uh, just you know, enjoying the uh, the beautiful uh, summer weather we're having out here in Western Canada, and uh, we had last week off because we were recovering from the Microsoft Worldwide Partner Conference. And after that crazy week of meeting new partners and seeing what Microsoft's doing in the community and their new uh, direction uh, coming down the pipe here for uh, for their FY09, lots of stuff happening, lots. And I welcome you to check out the blogs that are out there. I know our guest Dave has blogged a few things about uh, his experience at WPC. There's lots of stuff going on there. You know, catch the buzz about uh, you know software plus services, virtualization, oh core infrastructure with Windows 2008. Lots of good stuff. But today we're going to be focusing on building our networks um, using multiple different technologies, and we're going to kind of focus on some of the stuff coming from Apple and how that fits into our Microsoft networks. And we've all seen the commercials. I'm a Mac and I'm a PC. And, you know, that's, uh, I don't know, Dave, maybe you can touch on this in a few minutes here, but, you know, has that helped uh, Microsoft or has that damaged them? But, you know, I'm going to introduce our good friend uh, Dave Sobel from uh, from the D.C. area who joins us this morning as our, or this afternoon as our guest. Uh, good afternoon to you, Dave. Um, how are things going? Give us a little bit of an update what's uh, happened in your world since we talked last a week ago. Sure. Good. Thanks for having me on, Stuart. Again, for those who don't know me, I'm Dave Sobel, uh, CEO of Evolve Technologies here in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, you know, it's been uh, it was exciting. We were just got back from WPC, sort of getting things, you know, back on track. As Stuart and I were, were sort of commenting before we came on, one of the big things is where you get excited at WPC and you have a lot to do, and then you actually get back in the office and implementing that plus doing your day to day job makes a, makes for quite a first fun week back. Um, oh yeah. You know, so our, we, we've got a, a specialization. You know, we're a, a small business-focused IT consulting company. Um, we've got some. Uh, we're building a. We've got a new virtualization practice. But additionally, one of the things we're also known for is our cross-platform integration. You know, I'm, I'm notorious for I carry an iPhone and I carry a Mac as my primary tools for for business. And we've actually, you know, taken that into our business, saying that we will work with customers that do have, you know, the, the Apple platform as part of their networks. Um, we're not a pure play Apple player at all. And in fact, you know, we, we, we do say that we're, our primary specialty is, is the Microsoft arena. But additionally, we also specialize in integrating other platforms into that, into that arena so that you don't have to run in, in a single homogeneous environment. You know, and we talked about it. No, I actually talked about it a little bit in the intro there. You know, those commercials that are going. You know, they're they're great. They're funny. They're, you know, I get a chuckle out of them every once in a while. You know, what what real damage did you know? If we say any, did any damage occur from Microsoft and the Apple relationship out of those ads, or well, did really think... say, or did really say we can actually work together to some people? Well, I mean, it's it's funny because I don't think any damage happened between the Microsoft and Apple business relationship. I mean, in fact, Microsoft is one of Apple's biggest customers. Um, you know, Mac for Office is is one of the highest, you know, the hottest selling pieces of software on the on the OS 10 platform. Um, so it's, I mean, it, you know, in terms of a business relationship, it hasn't done necessarily damage between the two partners. Now, let's look though at, at where it has done. I think considerable damage is that it's done a lot of damage around the Vista marketing message that Microsoft has tried to put out. 
Um, I mean, I, I look at the, the marketing message, and, and you saw this is very typical of sort of Microsoft messaging is that we will, they'll launch a product, and there'll be a lot of short-term messaging around it, but no long-term messaging. If you think, think back, Vista came out, you know, at, at, 18, what, 18 months ago now, I guess. Um, and the messaging was that wow campaign, you know, see the wow, experience the wow. And it was all over the place for three months. Yeah. And then it disappeared. <laughs> then, the, then the messaging was off the market space. Apple, in their messaging, has sent one consistent message over and over and over, Mac versus PC, for going on three years now. That campaign is two years old and going into its third year, and it comes out steady and consistent every single time, Mac versus PC, and makes, makes the comparison. Now, they've, changed, they've modified the message. If you go back to the early Mac versus PC ads, there was no you know, specific reference of Vista or, me, any, or any specific reference necessary to XP. There was more just sort of the Mac, what's the Mac good for, what's the PC good for. Mm-hmm. Apple latched on to, you know, what uh, what was the appearance of slow market uptake to Vista, and then embedded that message in in their sort of what the problems of being a PC are. They latched Vista onto that message, and I think that's 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 helped influence the the you know consumer view of the Vista operating system to Microsoft's detriment. And what I see, Dave, is. A lot of people take that consumer view on, you know, Mac versus Vista, and then bring that into the office because that's their first experience. Maybe is at home, and that influences their decisions they make in the in the office. And so, how are you as a Microsoft partner and you know somebody who supports the Apple product line, uh, helping your clients understand? You know, some of the experiences you get at home may not be the same as the office. Well, that, that's true. And so, you know, I mean, one of the things that, that we always, you always have to remember about business people is they are also consumers. It, you can't say that, you know, consumer life doesn't move into the, into the business world because all business people are also consumers. They have a consumer side to, the, to what they do. They've got a consumer relationship with a number of companies. I mean, they have consumer relationships, for example, with Microsoft. You know, if, you're a, if you use the Xbox, you have a consumer relationship with Microsoft. So it's the the two are not easily separate. You know, cannot be completely separate. Um, my you know, Apple's messaging has clearly been consumer. Their entire focus of their marketing message and their message into the marketplace is consumer. But it does resonate with small business people because by by design almost they. I mean they're not they're moving up into business. They still have a consu- bit of, you know, some of more of the consumer mentality, and particularly from a small business owner, it's him writing the money. He's, ri- he's writing mm-hmm. the checks. So what we look at is, is, I mean, is the first thing I always do when we talk about these is that we talk about let's actually acknowledge the message. Let's acknowledge what Apple has told you in the marketplace, and then let's also acknowledge that it's marketing. Just like Microsoft has marketing, Apple has marketing too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that I, I feel I, I always need to remind everybody, and this is a card-carrying Mac user <laughs> saying this, that it is a fallacy to say that Macs don't need patching. For example, yeah. 
I mean, that, that, that is a complete false statement. Macs, of course, do need patching. I just patched a bunch of my, my Macs, you know, just recently, particularly around the, uh, the mobile me launch. You know, there were software updates required for my Mac to in order to use the new service. So there are constant needs for updates in much the same way Microsoft does. Now, you can have a debate over which is the better patch management platform or how many patches are reasonable, but there's, the problem still exists. So you, you start having the discussion around, okay, let, let's look at these two things and let's acknowledge that neither one is perfect. <laughs> neither one is, you know, is going to have everything nailed 100% and there's no downside at all. Nothing you buy has no downside. There's always a downside. So let's just take a look at what your needs are, what, pro, you know, what solution solves that, and then start matching from there. You know, one of the one of the big things that, that I, I like to talk about is is let's look at, for example, a collaboration platform. You know, there isn't an equivalent to SharePoint coming out on the Apple server side, for example. Some people may make some arguments about you know some of the ways that they manage data and the use of Spotlight or something like that. But frankly, I don't think there's a real you know you can't say there's a SharePoint equivalent for small to mid-sized businesses on the Apple platform. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that you can't use SharePoint on a Mac. I mean, I, I do all the time. I love, I love SharePoint, and I actually use my Mac to interface with SharePoint, and it's a great way of doing integration. It allows me to access all of my files from anywhere. But you've got to look really at sort of where that business need is coming from and what applications, what business functions they're using, and then what platform makes the most sense. So what we find, Dave, in, in our world here uh, – most of our graphic artists and those people that are doing video production all tend to lean towards the Macintosh platform. Those that are doing simple business functions like spreadsheets and documents generally lead towards or lean towards the PC platform, you know, Windows XP, Vista, some sort of media based or Microsoft based system. However, we're now we're starting to see a shift where those business platform app, uh, users are shifting over to Mac uh, systems because we, now we can run Windows Vista, Office products, uh, we can run our line of business apps through parallels on the Macintosh. Are you starting to see a, a shift that way in some of your clients? I am. I actually, I like to, let, let's sort of separate that a little bit into two piles because we're, we're sort of mixing two things that I think need to be discussed kind of separately. The first is, is that I think I am, we've been seeing clearly a penetration of the Mac platform in business in that second category of users that you're talking about. For a long time, graphic artists and, and graphics people and media folks have always been on, on, on Apple's. There's better software. I mean, if, you, if you're in video editing, Final Cut Pro is clearly the leader in that, in that market, and so you've, you're, you're running on the Mac. But what we found recently is there's a much more parity in general business users working on their, you know, on a, on a, on a machine that is Mac-based. If, if you're doing email and browsing and spreadsheets and basic documents and those kinds of things, you can be completely functionally equivalent on the Apple platform and even talk to your, to your back-end Microsoft servers. That in itself is, is, a, is a trend. The other thing that we are seeing is that you're, you're right to say that you know, Parallels or VMware, these virtualization technologies that allow you to run Windows on Mac hardware, has also met, added a certain degree of flexibility to the Macs 
that essentially nobody else has. You can go now buy a Mac, you know, you buy an Apple piece of hardware, and you can run two operating systems on it. You can't buy a Dell and run OS X on it. You, can't, you just can't do that. It's a, first off, it's against the, the licensing agreements from Apple. So if you're looking for sort of that ultimate flexibility, that ability to do both platforms, there is only one choice. You can only buy Apple hardware and get that high-end flexibility. Now, so what, what, Dave, before you, let me interrupt you there for a second. Why, why does companies like Dell uh, prohibit that from happening? Or, or sorry, it's an, Apple, it's an Apple restriction. Why is Apple and Mac or Apple restricting that from happening? Well, I mean, you know, to a certain degree, to get the definitive answer, you're going to have to ask Apple. But here's, here's really where it comes from. Apple views themselves as a hardware company. They're in the business of selling, you know, boxing. <laughs> They're actually a, a physical hardware. Microsoft is a software company. They sell operating systems. Apple views their operating system investment as necessary to move hardware. If Apple had their choice, I think they probably would just sell hardware. But they know that in order for it to be a complete you know, experience for you to buy something from them that's worth buying their hardware, they have to provide that superior user experience, and thus they've invested in an operating system. But I think if they had their own druthers, if they could do it without writing software, they probably would. So that's kind of really where the difference is, is that a lot of times people compare Apple to Microsoft. A better comparison is actually Apple to Dell or Apple to HP because that's really how they view themselves. They view themselves as a hardware company. Dell and HP have chosen that rather than writing their own operating system, they'll go to Microsoft and they'll have that provided for them. And Apple has said, no, we want to engineer the entire thing, you know, soup to nuts, so we're going to build it ourselves. And that, and that makes sense, and it really clarifies why you can run – a Windows OS on a Mac where you can't run a Mac OS on a, on a PC platform. That, that really makes sense, so, so thanks for clarifying that. Sure. So, I mean, and and that's, that's really why, you know, from, from Apple's perspective, you know, their competition is, is, is Dell. And, you, and that you, look at, you, know, you look at the comparisons and what happens in the industry. People do compare Apple in their placement in, in, in worldwide sales, and they're comparing against those other PC makers. That's really the, the, that's where they get compared to. So from their perspective, they actually don't really care what operating system you run on their hardware. If you run a run Windows on a Mac, well, they sold you a Mac. They're really happy. <laughs> they, yeah. they sold you the hardware that they ended up wanting to sell you. And there are certainly some users that are doing that. There are some users that are using Boot Camp, which is Apple-supplied software for running Windows natively on their hardware. And I, I actually know, you know several users that buy Macs and then just simply run Windows on it. They view it and say, this is the best piece of hardware available on the market, and so I'm going to run it that way. Okay, that makes a lot makes a lot of sense. So, you know, Mac. Since you clarified that, Mac Apple is really I don't even want to call them Mac for some but Apple is really a hardware based company. So now we're starting to see all kinds of cool stuff coming up, like the like the iPods and the new phones. Yep. Uh, coming up, and I know you had an article or you made some comments in uh, was it CRN magazine this morning on, CRN on this the iPhone. 
Yeah, on the iPhone, and and it's uh, you know because I actually I mean it's funny because again it, it relates back to this comparison that's happened all the time, is that you know all the time people are saying you know well is is you know is is the iPhone competing with with Windows Mobile? Well, it is competing with Windows Mobile, but it, and again at the same time it sort of isn't. They're competing with the hardware manufacturers. They want to sell the devices. They also recognize that they have to build software in order to have that end-to-end experience. Windows Mobile is just software. They partner with hardware vendors to supply the various kinds of options. And there are pros and cons to both approach, approaches. If you're Apple, you sell one type of phone. It's available in 8 gigs and it's available in 16 gigs, but it comes in one shape, one size, one interface. That's all you get. Yeah. If you're, if you're Microsoft, you have 130 different types of, of, of hardware devices that your operating system runs on. So it can be reconfigured in all different kinds of ways. There are ones with touch screens. There are ones with barcode scanners. There's ones for industry. There's ones for industrial use. Then there's the consumer phones and all these different kinds of combinations. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the discussion that we had this morning in CRN was the, you know, do I get criticized for carrying around an, uh, an iPhone when I go deal with Microsoft? And I sort of smile and I point out, I go, let me show you two things about my iPhone. First off, it has ActiveSync, which is your technology built into it, and Apple licensed that from you. <laughs> so Microsoft, you've got what well, I don't have specifics of the deal, but I know Apple has licensed technology from you to provide the functionality to talk to my Exchange server. Oh, and by the way, I'm talking to an Exchange server. That's the back end that's powering this is Microsoft-driven. So I mean, I, and I, and I, I'm looking back here, Dave, on your comments about you know where Microsoft or where uh, Apple competes against the hardware vendors in the PC market with Dell and HP. I guess the same could be said in the mobile phone uh, industry. They Apple competes with the Nokia's, the Blackberries, and all those other cell phone makers and smartphone makers. Because they do. They, because BlackBerry does the exact same thing. They have their OS on their own device, and you can't run their OS on another device, like a Windows Mobile, where you can get you can get it on a you know an HT, uh, HTC, I think is one of them, and there's you know you can run it on a Palm, and there's you yeah, can run the Windows Mobile on any, on any device. 130, I think you said. Yeah, I think it's about 130 different devices, and, and you know, I'm, I mean, I've I've got experience with a number of those, and and you know, there are ones that are highly specialized Windows Mobile devices that are running specific line of business applications. I mean, that that's that's clearly not the space that Apple, the hardware maker, is move, trying to move into. I mean, they're looking at the broadband, the broad consumer market. You know, they want as many of those consumer phones as possible to be iPhones. Now, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not so crazy as to say I don't think they have an eye on the business market. I mean, I think they clearly are looking at, at BlackBerry as who they want to compete with. And offering native support for exchange built into their operating system on their phones makes them very competitive against BlackBerry, against, against Research in Motion. That's, I mean, that, that's, I think, where their play is there. And, and so for them, they're not comparing themselves against Windows Mobile. They're comparing themselves against RIM to say, can we penetrate that market? Can we get those power users to be using our equipment? And on top of that, I think they, they also, they also think it's the same as the iPod effect. You know, people bought iPods, and then they enjoyed using the platform, and they took another look at Macs. That's what's happening on the iPhone, is that people will buy the iPhone and go, this is a really great experience. I wonder what their computers are like. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's that's the, it's the iP- the iPod effect taken to the next level. I mean, I mean, I have to share your your comments about uh, you know when you go to Microsoft and you know I bring out my BlackBerry and I'm typing away and they, you know the 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 comments the you know be, you know the under the breath comments about you know oh you're you're using a BlackBerry why wouldn't you be supporting our stuff I mean at the end of the day you know as IT professionals and we're and this show's geared towards IP, IT professionals we need to deliver the solutions to the marketplace that our customers are asking for. And I'm sure, Dave, you can you can help influence your your customers around your experiences with the iPhones, the iPods, the Mac uh, PCs. End of the day, we need to deliver solutions to what our that our clients are looking for. And um, what's your view? You are, are you having? You're asking. You I mean your your clients are obviously interested in uh, in this technology, or, or you wouldn't be doing that as a business focus. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, and, and that's, I mean, and from at the end of the day, for me, you know, I'm in the I'm in the business of delivering solutions to my customers. I didn't say I'm in the business of delivering Microsoft solutions to my customers, and I didn't say I'm in the business of delivering Apple solutions to my customers. I'm in the business of delivering solutions to my customers, and one size does not fit all. Let's let's look at let's look back let's sort of go back to the to the operating system discussion a little bit. Um, say say I'm talking to a, a medical practice and they have a need for transcription. They want to use, you know, they want to use, a, say, a pen-based interface for doctors to be able to take transcription information on some mobile device that they can carry with them. Now, I've been very careful about my use of words there to try and abstract that from a particular solution. I didn't use the word tablet PC. I didn't use the word, you know, tablet edition. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be careful there. Yeah. But there's no equivalent solution on from a hardware from, from the Apple hardware vendor side. I can't buy a machine that does pen-based input for them. Thus, that's not the right solution for that customer. But that but the flip side is is I may have a, a series of mobile professionals who need real-time access to their um, you know their calendar contact information, and they use Salesforce.com. Well, Salesforce.com now has a mobile app for the iPhone that's native, and since it's got full browser capability, that may end up being the right platform for them to look at. And they, of course, may, may need an exchange server in the back end. So it's, it's really a matter of looking at what is the right solution for them as opposed to being you know, bound to one particular group. I mean, I, I sort of I, – I, I'm amused by it because it's fun to watch, but there's this cult of Mac – um, that's similar to the cult of Linux. You know that these guys are that these people are, are so invested in their choice that they they believe it. And and some people even can go so far as to say there's a cult of Microsoft. That people you know you drink the Kool Aid is the description. Um, I think those are all very dangerous stances to take as an IT professional. If you're too bought into one vendor, you're blinding yourself to what's out there in terms of the larger solution. Um, you know, no, no one particular technology is always right in all cases to all customers. You might. I mean, that's why we elected with the BlackBerry as our main uh, mobile device for our customers. And you know, the same reason we, you know, we have customers that need Oracle. And we, in, in our market, Oracle is a big database here in uh, in Calgary with the oil and gas market. We understand that Oracle runs better on an open source operating systems, we elect to recommend that because we know at the end of the day we're doing the best thing for our clients. And I think the same argument can be, uh, can be said here. 
Well, that's exactly right. I mean, that, and that, that really is the argument. But the other thing is you've just said something that I think is really important for, for IT professionals to look at. You've, you've just said that, you know, we target the oil and gas industry. Okay, by saying that, by saying you've qualified your market, I'm no longer saying for all customers. I'm yeah. saying for oil and gas customers. So then the solution set does start to narrow because there are more general good fits for, for that particular industry than for all customers. But my guess is that if I, that we continue to press down this, you're probably going to say, well, there are certain exceptions even within oil and gas where that isn't the right solution for them and they did go with something else. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I, that happened, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and that, that's really sort of my take on all of this. Um, you can, as an IT professional, I think you know my my sort of high level advice to somebody is is you can you can choose to specialize or you can choose to be a generalist. Both are very diff- difficult to accomplish, because if you're going to be a good a good generalist, you have to be keeping an eye on a lot of different things, and it's very difficult to be good at everything. But if you choose to be a specialist, the, the you know you have to be very very deep in certain areas, and it is possible that another area of technology will subsume what you do. Because you've you've chosen to be special, a specialist, they're both difficult to do. I, I found I have found in uh, my own practice choosing to be a specialist in, rather than a generalist has helped our company uh, financially in the long run be more successful because we have chosen to be you know the industry experts. But you could say the same if you know if oil went uh, uh, down to ten dollars a barrel, we'll be struggling to diversify ourselves. I mean, this is a topic for another whole other show. Well, it, it clearly but, is. Yeah. But but I you know I, but I like to I, I wanted to bring it up because it certainly does link to IT professionals' view of the world. And you know yeah. we're taking two platforms and we're comparing them here, and we're we're sort of talking about what the the benefits are. You know, IT professionals need to make a decision about what the, you know how specialized they're going to be or how generalist they are going to be. And I always make the argument of if you need to be keeping an eye on the industry no matter what, and it's what, why we're doing shows like this is to help with, with that sort of you know information trade. But if you're looking, I mean, you know, I think Apple as a platform is becoming a player in the industry, and the trends are showing that the the numbers or sales numbers are showing that. And I mean, I actually I blogged about it just recently, but I, I don't want to give away too much of the the contact that I had. But I was actually at a social event last weekend. Um, I was a, a city. I was at a uh, a media league softball event, and I don't, won't give away any of the companies since all the major media vendors are in Washington, as you might guess. Yeah. <laughs> so they all field softball teams because that's a great way for them to get their employees out and have a good time. And I was sitting on the on the sideline watching one of my uh, one of my friends who plays for one of the, the local television stations. And he was, you know, he, and a guy. I pulled out my phone to, to check a little bit of information. Of course, it's an iPhone. And a, a gentleman leans in, who's with one of the other teams in the league, and he goes, "Oh, so how do you like your iPhone? Oh, it's great. I love it. I just did the software upgrade. I'm not connected to my Exchange server. It's really, it's really been that in particular has been great. The auto updates all work the way I expected them to. I'm not tethered to my computer anymore for syncing. It's really great." And he goes, "Yeah, you know, I, I never would have thought this, but..." We're supporting iPhone at our at our organization. And I said, really? And I'm kind of interested. He goes, yeah, the execs um, all all had iPhones in for the past six months, and we're trying we're beta testing the new software, and so they had full ex- contact and calendaring information, and were tied into the corporate Exchange server. And he goes, and they were all sold. They all really enjoyed the device. And in fact, they've, the uh, this major media outlet has decided to 
roll out support for the iPhone officially, and additionally, they're going to ro- write a version of their media app. They submit stories online, and so that way they can actually do it from the iPhone as well. And I said, well, that, he goes, that's really cool. I, I was, I'm surprised to see that adoption. He goes, yeah, we're doing the memo probably this week, so announcing it. He goes, the other thing that just kills me, he goes, is we're looking at, you know, when I started doing this at this job about five years ago, he goes, there were no Macs in the organization. He goes, we had about 500 PCs, and, and that was it. And he goes, here we are five years later, and he goes, those MacBook Airs and stuff are everywhere. He was sort of joking. And he goes, but statistically, he goes, we've got about 450 PCs and 200 Macs in our environment. So, I mean, they're even looking at uh, the whole business side of how the Mac fits into the business environment. They are obviously, and what, yeah. Obviously, and what and what what they're doing? I mean, they're they're taking a look at user needs, and they're analyzing what is the right platform for each of their users. Now, let me point out, they're not eliminating PCs. They're not replacing all of the the PCs in the organization with Macs. He even said that they're you know PCs are rolling out. and They're buying new PCs. They're making a determination based on what the user's role is as to what is the right tool for them to have. He goes, you know, the other piece about it is, is these are all Windows backends. You know, it's all Windows servers. It's Exchange on the back end. It's all of those applications. They're look, simply looking at what the client desktop is going to look like. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, these, these companies, my, and my company as well, are not, are not saying, you know, throw everything out for all Apple servers. What we are saying is, is that look at what the right tool is that your end user needs to, to have and what's the stack that's going to, that's going to solve that for them. So, Dave, I just kind of found this article that linked off your blog. Eight in ten businesses use Macs uh, from yeah. PC World magazine. Yep. Uh, so obviously, right. you saw you saw something that you liked that uh, you know may, uh, um, that you put a blog posting about it and linked to it. Well, plus uh, we were prepping for this show, so it was uh, I knew it would be slightly timely because this survey just came out. And what? So, what this, and, yeah, go ahead, Dave. Sorry. Uh, what I was going to say is, I mean, so PC, PC World had this, this survey, and, and it's linked off of my blog at evolvetech.com slash blog, um, where it's, there's an article that essentially talks about that, that, you know, 8 out of 10 businesses use Macs now. And you go, oh, my God, 8 out of 10 businesses are now all Mac? That's not what the article says. What the article is saying is that 8 out of 10 businesses have at least one Mac. This may be, you know, one, one uh, you know, they've added it, they're experimenting with it, they've integrated it with the rest of the environment. You know, but these, these businesses are out there, particularly on the smaller side, that have added machines and they're looking at a Mac. Now, when, they, when we talk about this, we are also focusing on the hardware again. We're back to our earlier discussion about, you know, whether or not this is, you know, this is not a my, Apple versus Microsoft discussion. This is much more an Apple versus Dell, Apple versus HP, Apple versus Lenovo type, type question, that they're actually adding hardware, and in some cases they're running Windows on top of it. But a lot of times, as you, you alluded to, you can, you can use technologies such as Parallels or VMware and actually run Windows within a virtualized environment on top of the, of the Mac operating system, and that's sort of get both. And so mm-hmm. what, what they're also finding is, is that some users are doing that, so that that way they've got everything they need in one, in one machine. Okay. So, so I mean, I think, I, think it's a, I think it's an interesting trend. Now, let, let's... I think it's important, particularly since we're, we're all talking, we're IT professionals talking to one another and, and an audience of IT professionals. It's important to talk about what the downside of this is. 
<laughs> you know, the the downside of this virtualized environment is the complexity that it does add. I mean, let's let's boil this down. The by by running virtualized, you have two operating systems, two yeah. complete computers that require all the management of two computers. They've got to be backed up. They've got to be patched. They've got to be maintained. They're com- they're completely separate machine uh, computers. From you know, each one is is essentially not aware of the other one. Do you charge twice as much? Is there twice as much labor? What's involved in maintaining that environment? And one of the things that that I'm I mean I, I've been doing a lot around virtualization, and one of the things that I'm exploring is and and helping to provide some guidance on is how do you price this stuff? How do you price two computers, one of which is virtualized? Because you only have to support the hardware once, but you have to support twice as much software. That's something that's got to be factored in. You've got to factor in your management technologies. Um, you know, I'll, I'll sort of I'll smile, and people always ask me, well, what do we use? We actually use two different technologies, and one of them happens to be Kaseya for management. If I'm deploying to that environment, and let's take my own Mac, for example. I have two Kaseya agents on my Mac. I have one on the Mac side, and I have one on the Windows side. Is that twice as much management? Does it show up twice on the bills? How does that all work? And I think some of that needs to be that's this is the downside of the of this environment is that it does make your management environment, particularly as you look at virtualization around the Apple platform, it makes that stuff more complicated. And I think that needs to be factored in when an IT professional is taking a look at the solution. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes, I mean, you raise a lot of points there, Dave, about the, around the support. Is, and let's touch on support from the IT pro community. We find it very hard to find qualified IT professionals that have more than just a basic knowledge of the Mac OS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what have you true. done in your, in your marketplace to attract those um, professionals that have an understanding of the Mac OS and the, and the Apple platforms across the entire product range that they have. Because we, it's, just not, one, it's not one of those things that just fall over the tree. Everybody, you know, we have lots of great generalists when it comes to Windows-based systems. But that specialty around Macintosh and the whole Apple product line, it's just not something that happens every day. No, it really isn't. And, and frankly, I mean, it, it, this is, there's a bit of a build versus buy discussion that has to go around here. But, you know, and, and I don't like talking about people this way, but you, you have to build people or you have to buy people. I mean, you can go out into the market space and you can hire somebody, and that's buy. Or you can take your own staff and you can train, and that's build. Um, it's very difficult to buy people that have this, tech, that have this cross-platform approach to things. There are a lot of Mac guys. You can go find a pure Mac. You can go find pure Mac consultants. Um, they tend to be smaller than Microsoft support shops. There's a lot more one-man shops. There's a lot more smaller organizations. That's not to say that you know there are not larger Mac support organizations. I'm just saying, just you know, in terms of raw numbers, it tends to it's easier to find one-man bands than it is to find larger groups. Um, it, it, additionally, as you said, there's tons of Microsoft guys at all different levels. Finding somebody that does both is actually quite difficult um, because they would have had to have made the investment in both sets of training. So what we've sort of found is, is that we, we, we actually do a lot of that through a build process. Um, when we want to start getting Mac engineers, we issue them Mac hardware. 
Um, we can there are a couple approaches depending on the way you want to do it. The uh, the easiest way is, is if you deploy a Mac to them with Windows lo loaded natively on the gear, particularly with Boot Camp, that gets them over the fear. <laughs> yeah, the, particularly, I, I loved. We actually liked to buy the uh, when they were still making the MacBooks in white or black. I would always buy the white ones. And everyone always said, well, why? Is that because it was $100 less? And I said, well, that helped. But the, main, the other reason I like to give them a white MacBook is that it actually makes them look at the fact that it's an Apple logo on the side. Mm -hmm. Nobody else really makes a white computer. I guess not anymore, anyway. Not anymore. You used to a while back, but not anymore. It, not anymore. But particularly if you're looking at a laptop, and which is yeah. what the MacBooks are, people don't really make a white computer. White computer. So by issuing them a white computer, I have clearly made made it very obvious to them they're running on different hardware. They can't even, you know, they can't even really sort of gloss over it and say, well, you know, it's a it's a, a knockoff or something. No, it's it's clearly different, and that gets them over that fear of this is different. Because a lot of times, I find that a lot of it is, is, is it's just kind of a fear thing. They've never worked with it, and so they don't know it, and so they don't really feel comfortable with it, and so they're afraid of it. That's mm -hmm. really a lot of this. Is, I, well, I know Microsoft. They've always been around. I, I know how to work with them. I know how it all works. I don't know this scary Mac stuff. And so that helps get them over that. And, and then the other way that we found has been sort of effective is, is that we actually will buy them you know, buy them a Mac, and we'll make them run virtualized. Now we'll deploy. We will. We will show them and train them on how you get to your Windows environment. But all good IT pros, the ones that, that we like working with, are also tinkerers. I'm sure, sure you do the same thing I do. Is, is you've probably got a few things going on in your home network that are probably a little bit more complicated than the, the typical home user. Maybe at one time, Dave, but not anymore. Not anymore? But, no. Okay, but at, at one time you probably did. Oh, yeah, um, for sure, and, yeah. And my guess is that most of the people on, on your technical team fall into that category. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so that, that, that's, cl that's clearly sort of the way things are going. You know, and I, I still have that tinkerer mentality, despite the fact I don't do a lot of you know, hands-on IT work anymore. But the, you know, the, the, you know, I've got stuff going on in my network that I just wanted to see if I could do it. Well, if you if you issue equipment to the to a technician like that, they're going to quickly want to figure out what they can do with it, and so they'll start saying, "Well, how do I change the settings? How do I adjust it? How do I make these things run a little bit faster? What can I do with that?" And just the exposure of ge of getting them engaged with it gets them over that initial fear. And then, then they start to use it, and, and once they get rolling on that, then we can actually start talking about formal training, saying, okay, now, now, that, you, now that you're not afraid of this anymore, do you want to be good at it? Do you want to start like, you know, actually doing the training and taking the tests? There are tests, just like there are Microsoft tests. There are tests for Apple Certified Help Desk, Apple Support Specialist. There's a bunch of different titles for it. And so your IT people can make an investment in themselves in learning those other skills. And it's a measurable track in the same way we measure Microsoft success. That's uh Yeah, you make a lot of you know make a lot of points there, Dave, about you know, the tinkering the tinkering around mentality and I know I used to do that one time. I remember having servers in my basement and I think my power bill was was some stupid amount of money because we were <laughs> you know, I had four or five servers running in the basement and you know, you're you get the warning letters from the ISP because you have inbound routing on your home DSL service, and you know we we all we've all done that stuff. But that's you know that's critical to getting people prepared for this new technology. And even this week, I've 
uh, you know, Apple has the iPhone in Canada on the Rogers network. There was a couple of our engineers down the hall here that's talking about it, and the crowd that it attracted in our own office about these new new phones. Everybody walked away and said, "I got to get myself one of these. I got to get myself one of these." Too bad our too bad our corporate tel- cell phone company is a CDMA, and of course the iPhones don't work on CDMA here in Canada, anyways. Right. But, you, know, you raised a great point. Is the you know the value of the engineers having buy-in and or your IT pros having a buy-in, and then what that viral effect happens? And, you know, are you seeing that viral stuff happening? Well, I mean, we we clearly are. I mean, that that is that is a lot of of what's going on. I and mean, we're seeing we're clearly seeing it also in the developer community. Um, a lot of developers are exploring the Mac as a development platform, and so they also have that tinkerer mentality, and so they're starting to, to start there. A lot of the open source guys have, have embraced the Mac because the uh, you know the, the core foundation is is uh, is around BSD, which for those who are, are IT pros, you know that's uh, one of the Unix variations. It's kind of similar to, to Linux, and so there's a lot of uh, a lot of you know traction in that community as well, and that spreads into into the entire development community. You know, I find that that it is a lot of those tinkerers, the people that like having the cool new technology, that do start liking them. I mean, you know, Apple stuff is shiny and pretty, and it, it has a has it certainly that that tinkerer place. It, it also fits nicely into that consumer world. If you carry an iPod and you carry a cell phone, wouldn't it be nice to have one less device? Mm-hmm. It kind of fits nicely into into those markets as well, and and that's been sort of an Apple's uh, you know viral approach on this is they really are just focusing on the consumer on their marketing and their their vision of where they're going. That's not to say that I don't think that they have business plans and that they want to be you know they want Macs in all environments. Their just main focus has been consumer. So where do you see the future of Apple going, Dave, in the next uh, you know eighteen months or so? Well, I mean, there's there's one thing that I think is particularly critical for the, for the twelve months out that I think is is worth po- pointing out. I mean, Apple, the the three G iPhone was the big announcement back in June when uh, they had their Worldwide Developers Conference, which essentially is kind of the equivalent to the Microsoft Worldwide Partner Conference, a little bit in the way that it's the big tentpole of their year. So that was back in June, and the big announcement, of course, was the iPhone 3G that came out, you know, last week. So the the iPhone 3G took up all the the you know all of the the buzz, but they also quietly announced they actually announced two other things: the, the Mobile Me service, which is a uh, an, a cloud service that's actually quite elegant that allows them to, and they're calling they're actually actively calling it Exchange for the rest of us, where they're intending to allow individual users to synchronize their calendar and contact information and mail via a cloud service between PCs, Macs, and iPhones through their service. And that's also a a service that launched, and it launched to a little bit of a rough patch. But the third announcement, the piece that I think is most important for IT professionals to know that was the quietest announcement of the whole group, was they announced their their next operating system release for next year. And it's it's codenamed Snow Leopard, as they like to have all of these tigers and cats naming. And it's going to come out next year. And frankly, it wasn't it's not overwhelming in terms of feature list, except for one key feature. And in the next version of the operating system, Apple has announced that they are going to have native support for Exchange 2007 in their um, iApps, in the native applications built into the OS. That includes the mail, that includes iCal, that includes address book. 
What that means is that a Mac can talk natively to your Exchange server for all of your key pieces without using any Microsoft technology. Wow. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? And it was the quietest announcement of the entire group. They just quietly put that out there, and they made the developers aware of that. So that means that in net, when the new version of the operating system comes out, and of course you'll need Exchange 2007, so you've got to have the latest version of Exchange. But that means you'll be able to plug that Mac directly up to your Exchange server and have all the same functionality we now have on our mobile devices on the Macs. Cool. Hey, we, cool. Have a, we, we, have a, we have a caller uh, that's joined us here. I'm going to invite the caller from the 903 area code. Uh, who's joined us? Yeah, by C. Y'all doing? Well, hello. Right, who's there? How are you doing? All right. Yeah, I just want to ask a question. Uh, I'm trying to load up a video on my home page and some ads. How do you do that? I've been trying to do that. I can't figure out how to do it. I'm trying to embed it and everything, but it just won't load up. You know, like the video, people have videos on their page. Well, sure. I mean, it, it, and they, you know, there's, a, there's an awful lot to that and a couple of different ways we might be able to go with that. Um, I think Stuart and I both would sort of say, do you want, do you want to potentially contact us not in, in real time and we can uh, work through some, some potential options for you? Okay, so after the show or something? Yeah, that, that'll be... Uh... That'll be great. Just con- you know, listen online. We'll give our share of contact information after the show. Dave, I couldn't. I didn't hear the question. What was the question? The, the question is: Is the caller trying to have having some problem embedding video in his home page and wants a little oh, okay. bit of a, wants a little bit of assistance in getting that all done? And since there's obviously a lot of different kinds of potential web servers we might be dealing with and and video options, I think we might have to do the troubleshooting and assistance there for you. Sort of offline. Yeah, a little off, little off topic for the conversation today, but yeah, ping us offline and we'll be more than happy to uh, help you out there. So thanks. Uh, Thanks for jumping on, anyways, and, uh, and asking your question. So, Dave, we got like 15 minutes left here, uh, and I do welcome anybody else who wants to call in in the last part of the show at uh, 646-716-8372. That's 646-716-8372. And uh, feel free to ask Dave and or I any questions on the uh, the whole Mac PC relationship and you know what's going forward and how everything's going to uh, to blend in. Dave, at, and since you're probably a little bit more plugged in on this at WPC than I was. Did you hear anything at WPC uh, from the Microsoft side on the relationship with Apple besides, you know, the the announcement of all the marketing campaigns and stuff to, for well, Windows Vista? Was there anything else mentioned there that you may have picked up on? Well, they haven't, and that, that's actually sort of, it leads to my la- our last discussion area that I think is sort of the most interesting piece. Um, the Mac business unit at Microsoft is, is, is in a very intense hiring mode. Um, they've been bringing a lot of people on, and I think that's, that's good for both companies. Um, that's good for the cu- the customer. What I'm what I'm curious to see happen, and I you know we certainly haven't seen anything. Is that the Microsoft Office is Microsoft's answer to how you do Exchange connectivity, and by even I think Microsoft's own admission, their Entourage product, which is essentially the equivalent of Outlook on the Mac side, it's part is bundled as part of the Mac Office platform. If you buy Mac for Mac Office, you actually get Four, four major applications, you get Word, PowerPoint, Excel, and Entourage, whereas, of course, on the PC side, you get Outlook. They're not feature equivalent, and in particular, the exchange support that is in Entourage is not nearly as robust as the Outlook one. And what I think is most interesting is it's not going to be as robust as the announcement that 
Apple has made. In fact, Apple's own stuff will integrate better with Exchange by, by appearances than Entourage will. Without, with Microsoft Office on roughly a three- to four-year release cycle, is Microsoft going to leave that alone? Is there, are they going to let someone else integrate better with their back-end servers than they do? I think that's the unanswered question for many of us that are looking at, at sort of how do we do this and how do we support both environments, how do we support both platforms, what is the right solution. You know, Apple or, I'm sorry, Microsoft made an active decision to stop supporting the Internet Explorer on the Mac several years ago. Um, there was an Internet Explorer for Mac. It was, it was updated through version 5.2, and then they decided that in the interest of development, they weren't going to, to continue to do that anymore. They have supported other products. There is a, you know, there's a remote desktop client for, for Mac. I don't think Microsoft has been quite as, as clear on some of these areas. And, of course, it's, it's difficult for them to do their messaging as, as they might want to because, of course, they're supporting a Windows world. So they don't necessarily corporately put a lot of attention to their, their investment in the Apple platform. So it's, it's a difficult line for them to walk in terms of, of how much you know, they, they announce the support of this and how much they don't. Certainly at partner conference, they didn't spend, spend much of any time talking about that at all. But I do know that their, their Mac unit is, is hiring pretty actively. So there's a lot going on there. So some, maybe some good stuff coming down the pipe here that we uh, as partners and, and IT professionals need to really be plugged into and uh, start looking at uh, you know, how do we incorporate that into our business strategy, into our plans for the upcoming uh, years, and, and especially as we start looking at uh, you know, the whole business process and, uh, or a process and how things get done, how people are using data, how uh, we're connecting with all the people in our clients and, and our third parties and all that management of people that we're, we're looking at is it's much more than just the hardware appliance. It's how they use everything in their business world from the from the mobility solutions they have to their PCs to to order the desktop computers it's really starting to evolve into much more than just uh, selling a computer and setting it up and uh, and saying uh, good luck call me if you need support so they well, exactly. how, how are you incorporating that into your managed services offering you know, all, the Mac, all the Mac support and all the other iPhone support. How are you doing that in part of your managed services? Well, I mean, we, we've clearly looked at, you know, incorporating them as, as equivalent. And one of the things that, that we've, we've been doing, I mean, right now our pricing is, is equivalent. You know, if you bring in a Mac into the environment, we, we, we price based on desktops and laptops. We aren't specific about the particular hardware on that. I actually am, am looking at, at our next revision of the pricing and, and our, our business model going forward in the next two to three weeks. And one of the things that I've been focused on is, is the idea of potentially role-based or function-based managed services as opposed to purely, you know, kind of counting boxes and supporting them. You know, does an executive have different business needs than a receptionist? I think they do. And I think perhaps our managed service offering ought to look, view them that way. They ought to have different response times. They ought to have different coverages, different SLAs. And if a business chooses to treat everybody like an executive, well, then, then they can do that. Um, but they may have different requirements for different roles within their organization, and that may be a new approach to our managed services, that instead of tying our services to particular 
hardware, we're actually tying it more toward business function. And I think that's really kind of the way this is going to evolve a little bit is that, you know, and I love the puns, but I think that we're, we're moving much more toward, you know, we're not necessarily strict technology consultants, but we're business solution consultants, and we've got to bring in the right business solutions for that organization. And that's not necessarily dictated by technology. Well, absolutely. It's definitely uh, not dictated by technology. The technology has to fit into the business solution. So that's, uh, you know, that's just the way we're, we're going in the next, uh, next few years, especially over the next few years. So, Dave, in the last few minutes here, any uh, closing comments you'd like to share, you know, maybe some you know, stuff that IT pros can take action on immediately to uh, you know, start, if they're not doing, they don't have an Apple uh, practice today that they can immediately start doing to start uh, or to, to put a plan in the place to move towards supporting the Apple environments. Well, I, th- I think the, I mean, the easiest thing, let's, let's start from sort of you know, some action items that people can take. I mean, I think you, you, the first thing is, is you're going to need to take a look at your, your own business and make a determination about whether or not this is a technology area you want to you invest in. And I think at the very minimum, you have to be informed on that. Obviously, you've, you've listened to, to us talk about it for an hour now, and, and you may have some new insights into, into what's going on and what your options are. You're going to need to take a look at whether or not this is something you want to invest time in. Um, you may choose that you're going to be a pure specialist and not know that, but if you're, if you're looking at being more of a generalist, I think this is a technology area you need to look at. This is going to sound so silly and cheesy, but it's a great, easy way to get started. Apple offers free training. If you've never used a Mac before, if you've never, you've never looked at it, their Apple stores, the actual physical retail locations, offer multiple sessions of free training where they actually put, it, put on presentations about what their technology does, how you use it. And, of course, you can go into the stores and you can actually ha- get some hands-on time with the equipment. That may be a good first step to let you take a look at the, the technology itself and decide whether or not you want to invest in bringing it into your business. Of course, the next steps beyond that would be actually putting together some kind of business model around how you might do it. Are you going to just do a research, in, you know, research in effort Maybe get some equipment in and test it out. Work with a customer to potentially roll it out to one or two as, as a trial. There's a lot of different ways you can take it from that. But I think the first, the first decisions you need to make are around what your strategy is and how deep you want to go into the research. Okay, that makes, that makes it's an, a good call to action you know, to, to start uh, off on the right foot, Dave. Oh, so, Dave, I want to thank you for your time today. Come and talk to us about uh, you know, the whole Apple, Mac, iPhone, iPod world, and what's happening out there, and how us as IT pros can really start taking advantage of it. Would you mind sharing your contact information just if anybody wants to reach out to you? Oh, sure. I'm always happy to. Um, you know, the easiest way to find me is always via email. I'm available at Dave, D-A-V-E, at EvolveTech.com. That's E-V-O-L-V-E-T-E-C-H.com. Um, I do blog. Um, you can catch me at uh, www.evolvetech.com slash blog. Um, in general, I've been, particularly this week, I've been doing stuff around Apple, but I also am doing a continuing education series around virtualization for the small business consultants. So if you don't know anything about virtualization and want to learn, that's uh, becoming a really great resource for that, and I'll have uh, even more coming out over the next couple of months. Um, you know, all of our contact information for the company is at www.evolvetech.com. Um, you can contact us there. You can uh, read all of our materials, learn a little bit more about the company. Those are generally the easiest ways to find me. Excellent, Dave. And if you want to learn about embed video onto your uh, webpage, you know, you're a good resource to, uh, to have on, 
on your Rolodex. I or, do, and oh, actually, oh, you're all look contact. I'm dating myself now. Yes, and my uh, and my wife is also in video production, so that's an area that we've got uh, some some expertise in. Great, thanks, uh, thanks, Dave, for joining us today. Uh, just a quick reminder on what we got coming down the pipe here on Small Business IT Radio. We have a great show next week. We have Greg Davis, who's the uh, the channel boss for Dell talking about partnering with Dell and the whole Partner Direct program. That's next uh, Friday, the 25th. We have a very special show uh, scheduled uh, on July 31st at 2 p.m. Mountain Time, which is 4 p.m. on the East Coast, with Eric Simpson. And Eric did a keynote at the ICCA conference in Washington, D.C. in early June on success and uncertain economic conditions. So we're going to talk about how, as IT pros, we can make money and continue to drive revenue into our businesses when the economy is not really there and supporting us and what do we have to do to remain successful. And then on August the 1st, we have uh, the the ladies from Women in Leadership and Technology from the IAMCP joining us on August 1st. So normally our show is on at 10 o'clock Mountain Time, noon on the East Coast on Fridays. We do have the odd uh, special show that pops up every once in a while that we do with Eric Simpson. But check our website at www.smallbusinessitradio.com and uh, get up to speed. You can download all of our past shows on uh, on our website. I welcome you to call me. My phone number is at area code 403-710-4357, and you can reach me via email at info at smallbusinessitradio.com. So until uh, next week, check our website, and we look forward to – and talking with you again uh, next Friday and also on the 31st for our, for a very special show. So that have a great successful week. This is Stuart Crawford signing off with Small Business IT Radio.